Já viu rico namorar pobre? It's Amanda Hello. and Shane and Sherry. They are here. We are here um, to bring you Say La Tea. I know a lot of people have been asking about when we will officially return for season two. And surprise, that return is right now, this very second. Um, You're welcome. Uh, We're back. What's up? Yes. <laughs> but of course, we would be remiss without mentioning all of the crazy things that are happening in the world right now. Um, so just know, although we are our same fun, loving, funny selves, we three are definitely affected and hurting by what's been happening. So this episode will be a little bit different than you're used to hearing from us. And we're going to talk about some things that may be uncomfortable for some people, but we know that we have a unique space in the podcast world um, being who we are and kind of hold that responsibility to have these conversations. So um, Shane, Sherry, thanks so much for being willing to talk about the scary things on record for everyone to hear. Of course, we need to be talking about it. Willing to talk. I want to yell. Hello. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Um, just to kind of start, how are the two of you doing? I I feel like we're in such a high stress kind of time. And I know me personally, I don't know that I felt the feelings that I am feeling today ever before. Um, so how are you both feeling and how are you kind of getting through this? And what are some things that you're working on to kind of do your good in the world? Um, I'll go first because I'm black, Shane. <laughs> I was going to let you have the floor. <laughs> um, go, go. I'm ahead, just please. letting you know. <laughs> you don't even have to let me know. Um, so I'm feeling... It's, it's, this is a loaded question, and I'm sure everybody will say that. I'm feeling, I kind of like have to put my feelings to the side. And I know that's something that black people are used to doing, but I find myself being other people's support during this time. Like I haven't been able to truly process what's going on because I'm having hard discussions with everybody on both sides of the fence. Um, I, I feel like I don't even have enough time for myself. So we're, we're going to have to fix that eventually because now that I've said that out loud, that's a problem. <laughs> so we're we're gonna have to do something else. Uh, ugh, what have I been doing? I, it's been a lot of unplugging. There's only so much you can do. Um, but yeah, even watching mainstream news has had to get out of my my normal routine because they are completely not telling the whole story. And I know the news has been doing that for a long time, but it's egregious. It. Like I, I had to unplug myself from CNN and all that. It's depressing. 
I admire you for your part that you are doing in kind of being that educational guide, especially in the social media era. Um, A lot of us are getting our news that way. And you actually released a photo essay of your experience um, marching in Atlanta. And I think when I shared it, so many people felt things just by looking at those pictures and replied and were saying like, wow, I wish that this is something that the media was showing us. I loved every photo that you took and you can tell that they were selected with care and that you were trying to tell a very kind of truthful story. And I appreciate you for that. I mean, a lot of us are trying to figure out our ways that we can help. And I feel like using your skill set to do so is like the best thing that you can do. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. What about you, Shaners? Uh, um, so for me, I, I guess the best way for me to talk about kind of how I'm feeling and all of this is it's, it's been a, a shift. Um, it's been a bunch of different things over different, you know, even just in two weeks. Uh, but I guess just to give a quick like kind of timeline of, of how I've, I've felt through all this. Um, I'll start with the first day of the, uh, the target looting and the target writing, whenever that was making headlines. Um, and I shared something on Facebook and I flat out said, like, I don't understand where this is coming from. I don't understand this reaction to it. I don't think it's helpful. And I mean, pretty much immediately, you know, people set me fucking straight as they should. And that, I don't know what specifically it was about that, um, that day in itself, but I just had this complete, like, sort of just breakdown with myself on, on thinking about how I have, viewed these issues throughout my entire life and how I've viewed them with the, you know, blindfold over my eyes. That is the privilege that I've been given. And, um, I learned a lot very fast and I'm still learning a lot. Um, mainly just that, you know, there is an entire world of resources at our fingertips and to be asking our black friends for, education and to let us know how we can help and let us know what we should be doing and let us know their stories it is just nothing but bringing up emotional trauma and wasting time and that is unacceptable and i've tried to take it upon myself to do as much research as i can and and just i don't i just had this this realization that you know and i think that's what a lot of um white allies are are doing right now which is great and it's what, what's making this movement i think different from what we've seen in the past um is that we're starting to realize like the sheer like a volume that a white voice has and the fact that we have been silent for so long and just you know supporting by sharing a couple of facebook articles and you know just not talking about it whenever you know we're in public because we don't want to intrude and we don't want to be you know um, that's not our issue kind of thing. And yeah, the fuck it is like, it's not directly our issue, but this is, you know, it's my friends and it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm furious. I'm, I'm, 
completely just in shock over the stuff that I see on the news every day and the stuff that I've been looking up online, the, all the historical issues with police brutality. And it's just been a complete whirlwind of two weeks um, of just educating myself on it and, and trying to, to figure out, you know, what I can do. And rather than just, you know, being a social justice warrior on Facebook, like, you know, what, what are the best places to donate to? Where can I donate? Where can I, you know, what are the best protests for me to be going to here in Atlanta? Like I've gone to some the past few days and that's been like incredibly like it, it just going out and yelling <laughs> like with a huge crowd of thousands of people is, is so empowering. And it, it's, there's so many really good, really interesting things that I've seen come out of like one of the first day that I'd gone up here in Atlanta, like we marched down like a residential area and there were these, um, just families everywhere. And, uh, you know, whether it's black families or white families or Latino families, and it was them outside with like their little kids and their little kids like had their fists in the air and their little kids were yelling with us and their kids were a part of it. And it's just, just this realization that, you know, the reason we're doing this is so that those children hopefully don't have to grow up with the issues that so many of my friends and so many people just in general in America, in the world really, but in America at this time, have dealt with and have been dealing with for decades and for centuries. And it's, it's, it's sickening. But at the same time, I think that we're in a really, really interesting place right now. And there's a lot of, a lot of change that I think is going to come out of it. And I think it's important for us to continue to be loud and continue to um, do what we can and actually enforce action and enforce change. Um, that way we don't just do the same thing we've been doing for years, which is just, you know, sticking a bandaid on it until it gets ripped off again. Yeah. I think what you said about, um, the volume of a white voice is so huge. I was watching my favorite network, Bravo TV, hate on me if you want to, but they had a really great conversation about race. Um, a few days ago and W Kamau Bell, if you don't know him, um, he is, the host of a show on CNN called the United Shades of America. It's a look at racism in the United States, but he was actually on uh, watch what happens live with Andy and something he said really resonated with me. He said a white whisper is the equivalent of a black scream. And that to me just wow. resonated so deeply because that is the truth. That mm -hmm. is the truth. So if our white friends and allies say, hey, this is a problem, then people are going to listen. I mean, we've been saying mm -hmm. this for generations, for centuries, for decades. And unfortunately, no one has seemed to care. So personally, I mean, I know you're not looking for a thank you from me, but I do appreciate all the work that you're doing because you see the need for it and the necessity. So I appreciate you. Well, and I appreciate that. But obviously, at the end of the day, too, like, you don't owe me a thank you, but I definitely owe you and Sherry and everybody. Like just, I told a friend of mine last night, like, I don't know what is different about what it is specifically that's different about this time. But like, all I can say is like, I am sorry and ashamed that it's taken me this long to start screaming with you because it's, it's so, so infuriating. Well, this is also something that I'm doing for people. It's like, we didn't become experts in race relations or even socioeconomic relations overnight. Um, mm -hmm. 
the issue that I'm having with people is all of a sudden they pop up with their black square to post on Instagram. And they're like, Black Lives Matter. And there was this tweet going around that talks about, okay, that's great. Black Lives Matter. Can I have a picture of your entire multicultural and diversity team? Um, so I can see your receipts. But because yep. that's kind of true, because it's like, yep. where did that come from? Because most people, they want to ignore what they've done wrong and their mistakes, but that's literally the process that we need to see. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like, I didn't come here overnight either. Unfortunately, that directly affects my being as a person so i had to come to it to that conclusion quickly but it's okay it, i'm not asking you to absolve yourself completely for having those thoughts i'm asking yeah. you to change your behavior that's it yeah i think that's what uh i think um amanda's brilliant sister alexa jean mentioned this the other day and it's so true this is not the woke olympics mm-hmm. it's not you are not more woke than me That is honestly what is getting on my nerves at this point. And I hate to criticize the movement. I'm happy people are talking about it. But my God, it seems like it's turning into who could be more woke and who's doing the most or who's posting the most memes. I'm like, girl, please delete this. What are you actually doing? This is getting on my nerves. Right. Right. What are you doing? I know for a fact you like to say the N word. So (laughs) delete this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And you know what? It's one of those things too, where it's it's really hard because, I mean, it's hard it's hard for everybody. Like it's hard for all of us that are that are you know in the process of, of learning and educating ourselves on it. And I think that's an important distinction is educating ourselves. I will never again ask to be educated, and I don't think that other people need to do that either. It's it's nonsense. There's no need for it. Um, and that to me is performative. If you're asking for education when you could be looking it up yourself and you could be educating yourself on something, that is performative, and that is not helpful at all. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that we're starting to call that out more. And I'm happy that I was called out for it. I'm happy that a lot of people have been called out for it. And I think what we need to start doing too, I've seen it all over, is people just talking about how we need to start normalizing the ability to admit that you were wrong and that it's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with learning new information, taking it in, growing from it and saying, you're right. Let me now grow from this and let me start to let me help somebody else who's having the same exact issue um, rather than shutting yeah. down entirely and just becoming silent. Um, because I think that's all we've done whenever this has happened before with all of the other instances of police brutality that we've seen. This is what happened. It, 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 it starts to blow up for a couple of days and then it just starts all starts to die back down again because everybody starts to get quiet whenever they get called out. And well, I like that-, that this time we're not seeing that as much. That's what you're also not seeing is you're allowed to wake up more than once. Mm -hmm. So you don't just wake up once and reach enlightenment. If you've read Mm -hmm. the four agreements or the alchemist, you would know that. Um, But it's, this is not, and also it's okay to not be attuned to it. That's literally why we have been yelling for 400 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay to be racist. What I'm saying is it's okay to come to the conclusion and change your behavior. Exactly. Like, yeah, people, but people are upset and they do not want to do that. That's what I've learned in these conversations. And it's not just on one side, it's on the other side too, because in to, it's a boomerang. Of course, there are people that believe that there's only one way to do this movement. And that's, that's the issue. I think that is a great opportunity to kind of talk about our first topic. So 
cancel culture. This is something that has been <sighs> debated for months and months. Like I remember can- cancel culture was like a hot, it was at its peak in 2019. I feel like everybody was being canceled. <laughs> but now in the midst of black lives matter, I feel like th- we like cancel culture. I can't do anything anymore. I can't eat anywhere. I can't shop anywhere. I can't listen to anybody's music. I can't watch anybody's TV shows. So Let's talk about it. I think we can talk about some people who have been canceled as of late. Um, And maybe, I don't know, I want to hear first your thoughts. What do you guys think about cancel culture? Are you okay with it? Do you think it needs to go away? What are the parameters? I don't think it needs to go away, but it needs to be heated. So take that information as you will and make an educated decision with the cancel culture. For example... Um, R. Kelly. For me, I am going to go ahead and cancel R. Kelly because his crimes are the list is long. It's ridiculous. I'm going to cancel R. Kelly. Um, Let's see. Amy Winehouse recently got canceled by the black community. If you just saw that, I'm going to do more research now that I've heard about it and I will make a decision then. Yeah, I think for me, there's a time and a place for canceling people. I think we do it too frequently and too quickly. There's some things I think for me, what warrants a cancel is something that you cannot come back from. Like if you do Mm -hmm. something that's so horrible that it's like nothing that you say or do will ever justify your actions, i.e. R. Kelly. I think that is a great reason to cancel someone because I mean, what are you going to say or do that will show that you've learned from this situation and are improving yourself? Um, So I do think there are some things that warrant cancellation. I don't think that the list is quite nearly as long as we've kind of made it in 2020. And I'm not saying that I'm okay with racism in any way, shape or form. But I do wonder at what point do we kind of give people some grace to learn and change. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that kind of shocked the world and everyone was like um this is horrible and this needs to stop i don't know if you guys saw so drew Brees, he's the quarterback for um the saints he has been exceptionally vocal in the past when colin kaepernick was kneeling in 2016 about how kneeling during the anthem is a disrespect to the flag okay Fast forward four years, Drew Brees has made it exceptionally clear at this point that his opinion still stands on that. And I think it was last week, he basically said he won't agree with anybody who chooses to disrespect the flag. Now, this caused a huge amount of backlash from other athletes. People, His teammates have been vocal about how they don't feel his support and people are calling for his cancellation. What do you guys think about that? Here's my thing. I think whenever there is a definitive statement that is made at that point to me and my and this is kind of going along with what you were saying about cancel culture, Amanda, there is a certain part where I think that we need to be I, I think too many people start canceling people online without giving them a chance to explain themselves or giving them a chance to elaborate on and, and also not giving the opportunity to just teach them and the opportunity to hear what they're saying and to say, great, I hear you. This is why that is wrong. And this is why, you know, maybe you should look at it this way. 
I think whenever people start making definitive statements like Drew Brees did, where you're going to say, like, I will never agree with someone disrespecting the flag. I think there's a couple different routes that you could take there, which is one is saying, well, why do you think that kneeling during the national anthem is a disrespect to the flag? Um, and I think the other thing is to just completely just cut it out entirely and say, you know what, that's your opinion. That's what you're going to believe. Great. There's going to be consequences for it. And people are going to, you know, turn their back on you. Um, I think my personal opinion with where I stand right now, like just at this moment, um, and just something that I've been trying to practice with people online is that to me is a, I don't see him, him completely as a lost cause. I think that there is still opportunity to teach him. I think the problem though, is that at a certain point, someone has such a platform that, I mean, like, how do we, how do we properly educate Drew Brees? But I think that it's worth trying. You're, you're right about that. But here's the thing with cancel culture. I do think that it still has a place in this arena, because when you mess with someone's money, then they start mm-hmm. listening to you. Ex- and yep. it's not, yep. it's not like I'm canceling Becky, who I went to high school with. No, we're canceling celebrities. We're canceling. Netflix. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. making them listen to what we're actually saying. So, um, yeah, it's very true. But, but on the flip side of that, um, that person has to be willing to learn. So Drew Brees, like we could be yelling at him for as much as we want, but if he doesn't want to listen to us because he's rich, which is true, then he won't. And he doesn't sound is, like he wants to. Exactly. And he will continue to be canceled until he does. Because guess what? If you yelled that long the wrong way, what I want you to do is yell that long for an apology. So you were that adamant about kneeling for the flag and it's disrespectful. Well, now people are burning it. So, <laughs> would, yeah. so you know what I mean? So it's like, I need to hear an apology that was as loud as you were yelling for four years. And that's kind of where I am with this situation. If this is the first time we heard this from him, maybe I could be like, you know, he needs some kind of educational guidance, but he has maintained his stance for four years. He's seen Colin Kaepernick lose his job over taking a stand for what is in what many people believe is right. So the fact that he's still maintaining that he thinks it's okay for people to judge and persecute those who are using their right to protest to me is like uh it kind of warrants a culture be- uh, cancel because uh, what do we have to do to show you that this is no longer the way that you should be thinking like it's been four years and he's been immovable so at that point do we just say bye-bye i think so i mean until that person rebukes themselves that at the end of the day we still can't do it for them so when they want to join the right side of this movement be on the right side of history we'll be here with open arms but till then cancel yeah and i think sherry has a good point too by saying that like you know whenever we whenever we cancel celebrities which you know the people that we're talking about today whenever we cancel celebrities and we take away their funding and we take away their you know whether it's their employment or their fan base or you know how they make a living at that point like i think that that's an effective way to go forward because it's going to force them to hopefully confront themselves on what they believe and hopefully eventually they'll crack to a point that they'll be willing to open and willing to have a conversation um i think like we had said before like whenever we're doing it with people from high school like i think a big thing that we start seeing right now as far as the debate of people canceling on a smaller scale um not with celebrities is canceling like you know our friends our family for 
you know, I, I've seen people online who just immediately unfriend and block people who say all lives matter. And, and my opinion on that is, I think those people are prime examples of people to have a conversation with and prime examples of people who can learn and who can grow. Um, yeah. Because for the majority, I think a lot of the people who have that mindset, their their head is like it, their head is in the right place, but you have to teach them why that's inappropriate and why it's not okay to say those words in response to Black Lives Matter. That's not okay. People saying Black Lives Matter does not mean that they don't agree that all lives matter. It's the fact that right now you're you're coming off racist by neglecting Black Lives Matter and saying that all lives do. And that's where I think that those are the people that the people that I've had conversations with about it have ultimately like they've usually they've usually come around with um you know a bunch of people commenting and telling them exactly why this is a problem and why you should grow from that. Um however on a much larger scale like we're saying with celebrities I think that celebrities the biggest way to do that is you know like you said I think cancellation for a celebrity is a little different than cancel culture for an acquaintance that you may have gone to high school with as someone like a coworker. Um I think a cancellation for a celebrity has a lot of like financial consequence. And I think that's something that's important because I think that that's what can hopefully cause them to crack a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the NFL has a long history with racism. Many people kind of equate the NFL as like modern day slavery with owners and the players who are mostly black and play for them. So to me, it's not super surprising that we saw, um, this type of comment come out of that area Mm -hmm. of our pop culture. But as another person who has recently been canceled is Stassi Schroeder from Vanderpump rules. To me, that's a little bit more surprising because (laughs) Vanderpump rules and Bravo are technically a very kind of millennial hip with it network. So when I saw some of the things that were coming out of Stassi's like mouth, I was shook. I had no idea that this girl had these opinions and I've been a fan of hers for a while. So are you guys familiar with what I'm talking about? Have you kind of seen, but the reports are so different and they're coming from every Avenue. So break it down for us. Okay. Let me break it down. So those of you who aren't familiar, Stassi Schroeder is a cast member on Vanderpump rules. Uh, Many people might say she is in a way, the star of that show. Um, She's been on the show since the beginning Uh, she's seen a lot of personal success from her appearance on that show. She actually has a podcast of her own. Um, I think it's called straight up with Stassi, something like that. Uh, she also recently became a New York times bestseller for a book that she wrote. So I personally have been very happy for her success. Kind of, I, I, I kind of always love when you get women who, are put in a situation and kind of grow their finances from it. I think it's really admirable and it's kind of an entrepreneurial mindset that I admire. Now, where we come into our little gray area with Saucy is the fact that a lot of new information about her is coming out that isn't necessarily um, painting her in the best light. So for those who don't know, um, Faith Stowers, she was on the show uh, maybe two seasons ago, and everyone, all the main cast members hated her because she, what happened, Sherry, she slept with someone's boyfriend or something like that. No, she slept with Jax. First of all, Faith is black. 
he oh yeah let's be clear with faith so right so all of the main cast members hated her and recently faith was on instagram live with um a reality cast member from MTV and Faith was telling a story of the time that Stassi and Kristen from Vanderpump Rules called the police on her claiming that she was a thief. <laughs> yeah. So the way the story Yikes. goes, it's not great. The story goes that there was um, a mugshot of the, or there's a photo of this lady who was at large. She was light skinned, had long weave and had tattoos all over. And it, any of you who've seen Faith, she is a brown complected black woman. She has no visible tattoos all over her chest and arms. Um, maybe she has weave. I have no idea, but who doesn't these days? So the lady who was at large was clearly not Faith. I mean, from this description, they do not match at all. And Stassi and Kristen knew Faith and did not like her and called the police on her. Now, their plan didn't work. Um, and Faith ended up nothing, but there were no repercussions, but people are definitely criticizing Stassi and Kristen for this. And the funny thing is Stassi was on the bitch Bible, a podcast and was the one who even told this story to begin with and thought it was like a funny, cute little story. Girl, <laughs> there's nothing funny about this career suicide. Mm. Well, Yikes. it's honestly so embarrassing to me because she thought it was clearly a cute story and she told on herself like what the hell and <laughs> faith said faith said that she had suspected that it was stassi and Kristen, but that stassi and Kristen confirmed it when stassi told the story on this podcast like an idiot so that's one of the reasons she's being canceled there was also a clip that has been circulating from her podcast where she's basically criticizing the fact that when black people are vocal about their issues, we're yelling, we're loud, and we're all supposed to drop everything in care. And we don't necessarily see other minorities like Asians yelling and screaming about their experience. So I'm confused by the clip. I don't know if she thinks that it's because we're black that we are more vocal, but Maybe she's unaware of the fact that racism exists. I don't know. She has since been fired from Vanderpump Rules. And there are tons of people who are kind of questioning the decision. What do you guys think about that? From Bravo? Questioning it from Bravo? No, like fans are saying that, you know, it was an honest mistake, whatever, whatever. An honest mistake? Girl, you bragged about it on your podcast. You thought it was a cute story. You thought it was like something to share with people. Cancel it. Was it done. Royal tea. <laughs> no, cancel. Literally, it was. And the clips of her talking about um, black people being vocal about their civil rights are so disgusting to me because why do you take issue with that? You should be taking issue with the fact that people feel the need to complain about these things at all. And to kind of put salt in the wound, she released a statement, kind of a safe face about her statements and what she did to Faith and basically said she was sorry. Well, someone sent it to Faith and was like, did you see this? Like, what did they say to you? And Faith was like, girl, they have not reached out to me at all to apologize. So this is all fake. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's just, it's a different era because truly people used to laugh about this. I'm understanding now about the plight of Black people. And how, ha ha ha, I just called the police on them. Ha ha ha, they were threatening me. No, they weren't. So it's quite clear that this was a norm. That's what's really shocking me. 
I'm shocked that people are getting, yeah. Like, did you, I, I didn't realize the good old boy club. That's what they were laughing about. <laughs> well, it makes me think too, like Stassi from my vantage point seemed like a totally normal person. So it makes me think, what are the people that I am friends with? Like, what are, what are some of the things they say when I'm not around? You know what I mean? Like she seems totally normal. She doesn't seem like, uh, black hating kkk member like she's a regular millennial girl so but also she doesn't have any multicultural friends like look at the people on the show not that i know of <laughs> that's a good point and i kind of talked about this on in last week's episode with joe but that is such an important part of this conversation because people don't have any frame of reference to kind of be empathetic towards other people's struggles when they can't see those things firsthand. So I'm thankful for my diverse group of friends, people who've kept me in check and said, Hey, this is what life is like for me. Or, Hey, Uh it's inappropriate to say X, Y, and Z thing. Or even if they aren't checking me, just being friends with Shane makes me not want to eat Chick-fil-A because they don't appreciate the beauty that is someone like Shane. So why the hell should I give them my money? Like, no, I'll never eat their chicken again. It's nasty to me because it's filled with hate. Like having diverse friends is what helps you to be empathetic to people who are different than you. I think there's something to be said to like going back to this, um, this particular instance of, of cancer culture is that you telling me that story it evokes a lot of the same exact things that were happening with that fucking Amy Cooper or whatever up in Central Park. Um, whenever she like calls the cops on the guy who's bird watching and specifically says, like, I'm going to call the cops and say that a black man is harassing me. And it's there is this is reminding me a lot of that sort of scenario in the sense that we're starting to see this this trend where. White people recognize that there is discrimination and racial profiling within the police force, and they still are going to call the police force about it, but then not do anything about the actual issue itself. And well, yeah, I've, it's called Emmett Till. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's 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 infuriating, and that's where, like, I think a situation like this, like, yeah, I, no, you don't you don't do shit like that, and then think, oh, that was so funny. Like, let me go talk about it on my podcast. Even in play, this has been since the beginning of time. This is, I get in this conversation with people all the time. And then I use my theater degree to pack a punch because the first form of theater in the United States was a minstrel show. This is not new. Like the reason we love, for example, a character in the minstrel show is a mulatto, which is a light skinned black person has to pass a brown paper bag test to be in the show. That's why we love light skin so much in our American pop culture. And to Um, add to that, the mulatto was highly sexualized for just her appearance and was used as kind of a sexual prop. And we see that still in the media to this day. Definitely, because there were so many people pimping her out, especially the lady of the manor, because her, the master of the manor, had a child with a slave. So she did not like that mulatto. That was a reminder every day that there was a little romp with a slave. So she pimped her out. Well, what I'm trying to say here is this is not new. So I think we've come to the conclusion that Saucy, she should be canceled. I think 
yeah, her crimes are egregious enough. And listen, I hope that I don't want her to never have a job again and lose all livelihood. I think the right thing to do was to fire her from that show. It was not appropriate what she did. And the fact that she did not even see it as a problem shows that she has plenty of learning to do. Let her do that off the air. We don't need to be paying her for her learning experience, honey. Like, go ahead and handle that on your own. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say she needs to be put on ice for a little while because that was crazy. I will say Bravo does a really good job of canceling people. Remember that whole Phaedra Parks, Candy Burris issue. She was canceled yeah. immediately. So well, people have said that Bravo has taken too passive of a stance during black lives matter. Like the only reason that Portia and W Kamau Bell were on watch what happens live with Andy is because they were going to do an IGTV like, or Instagram live conversation. And people were like, no, this needs to be on television. Your TV shows are predominantly white mm-hmm. and your highest grossing franchise is a franchise of all black women. Like what is, oh, the, wow. what is going on? You need to go ahead and make a stronger stance towards black lives matter. And since then I've actually seen them actively working to be better allies. I appreciate them for that. I think in this situation, it's a perfect example of how canceling someone too quickly doesn't necessarily bring about the results we want. Um, They've learned and are learning and I appreciate the change and they made it immediately. So I applaud them for getting rid of Stassi. I think it was the right thing to do. Andy, actually, everyone had been asking him what his opinions were and he very clearly said, I think they made the right decision in letting her go. I've had this conversation with you, um, Amanda, about this in the past, where it's like, when I was, when we were in high school, like we were out here whiling on Facebook, you know, well, at least I was. And I'm sure there's some things that I've said that are not politically correct, or even not what I feel in 2020. It's like, eventually, we're all going to have to atone for something. If Stassi would have done the right thing, she probably still would have gotten fired. Yes. But she... She still to this day has not apologized the way that she needs to. And that's what the real issue is. If she would have potentially done that, this might have been a little different for her. Little different. Would she still yeah. on fire? Yes. I agree. But I think she still would have had the support of her fan base. I don't know. I mean, I she know. still has their support right now. So many of them are saying, like, it was an honest mistake. Like... Uh, she didn't mean it like girl she meant it and she meant it so much that she talked about it months later on a podcast that's one of her favorite things that she's ever done so she can go ahead and keep that so for reference shane this is when i go ahead and some of the community goes that you know white people (laughs) like this (laughs) is literally (laughs) the taylor swift issue too like oh yeah she can do anything like okay of course she fucking can that's well, where that I'm comes glad, from. <laughs> I'm glad we're changing that narrative though, because yeah, to be honest, one of the things that makes me so annoyed about Taylor Swift as a person, and I've tried to vocalize this for years, is the fact that she is at best mediocre at everything she does. And yet we herald her <laughs> as one of the best art she was artists of the decade. That to me is offensive because as a black woman, I know that I work myself to the bone to even get recognized as a human being, let alone best of the decade. So well, also, I don't know if you saw this, but I hate to let you know that she made a statement about Black Lives Matter and everybody. The Internet rushed to her aid about how she I is was the, the martyr of the people. So, And it's, it's honestly <laughs> almost 
I almost get a violent reaction to her as a person because it's not just her, it's what she represents. And I know so many people in my life who have skirted by, and not even just skirted by, have excelled by doing the bare minimum. And I'm over here screaming, yelling, shouting, doing a million things at a time, juggling six jobs, just trying to get my foot in the door. Well, maybe she can do what she did for the gay people and she can just have a bunch of black people floating in pools with her and eating cupcakes and doing stuff like that. And all of a sudden, you know, we'll solve racism through through her music. So, well, she has Todrick Hall, so she can start there. I Yikes. can't even. I can't even touch on that. <laughs> Todrick Hall. Um. Um, no, I was going to say I wanted to just. Hello, Shane. You're muted. <laughs> oh, I have been muted for a few minutes. Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I quit acting a couple months ago because quite frankly, I was tired of auditioning for a slave. I'm tired. That's it. That's my piece. Right, so. I don't want to do it anymore. I do not want to be a slave. Like they don't know where to put me in the industry. So they're like, okay, perfect. Slave number three. No, um, please bullshit. stop. Yeah. That's a conversation for another day. In in fact, I think it would be useful for us to actually talk about that at length next week because I have plenty to say on that as well. Um, And people are calling Hollywood out as a fake progressive, like community like you guys are pretending Mm -hmm. to be inclusive and in fact you are some of the most damaging people on earth that in in terms of inclusion and race so look at the oscars every single year like right um one last person who's recently been canceled i think it's worth mentioning is terry cruz so i thought this was interesting because it just yeah. goes to show that just because you belong to a group of people, you you belong to the community, it doesn't mean that everything you say and do is for the benefit of that group. So just mm. a quick recap for you guys. Terry Crews tweeted something that is just absolutely... I don't even know what this means, honestly. He said defeating... I, I had to read it like five times. <laughs> I'm still confused. He said defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy equality is the truth like it or not we are all in this together huh Uh, i don't know what that means but people i mean i think to dissect that i think what he is saying is that by i'm literally just about to like i think quote it word for word in a slow way but if we are going to defeat i think what he's saying is that if we are going to defeat white supremacy without the assistance of white people helping to damn it, then that is only black people fighting against white supremacy, which then creates black supremacy. I think that's what he's saying, but it's still no canceled. Like and you did try, but it still doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And that, that that's, that's the whole point. Like, I think that's what he's trying to say, but it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I appreciate you for trying. <laughs> Black people uh, across the globe have basically said to Terry Crews, what in the hell are you doing with your Twitter? <laughs> Screw you. We don't care about you anymore. You're not Black. Goodbye. Now, I don't know about all that, but I do think that <laughs> there is a lot to unpack with his statement. Quite a bit. There are a group of Black people in this country who know that... 
to align themselves with white people will actually progress their personal goals. In Mm -hmm. slavery times, people called it House Negro, Uncle Tom, all that good stuff. Now, those terms are derogatory today, so I'm not going to go ahead and call Terry Crews that, but it is kind of giving me an air of some um, Are we the field Negroes? Right. So the reason I have a problem with this is publicly going against a movement that would actually benefit you as a person just because you are a celebrity and you are in movies you're still a black man in america like i think some of these celebrities forget that they forget very rich too right and they have a case of the ben carsons exactly so my (laughs) thing with terry cruz is this is giving me a lot of well let me offer an opinion that will appeal to white people so that that's exactly what it sounds like but here's the thing. I've been having this conversation with people too. I am tired. I am out in these streets literally debating every second of every day. There is a difference between socioeconomic relationships. Socio, uh, what, like his socio um, and social stance is black because he's black, but he is also of a different class than most black people. You are in the upper at least 20%. So you have money, you have access to education. That doesn't mean that your life matters more. That tweet has been going around and that's true. It doesn't mean that we're stupid also. Like I know what you're trying to do by tweeting this. You're trying to pander to people who may be on the fence about Black Lives Matter. And I have Mm -hmm. an issue with that because you should be with us in changing those people's minds. You making this statement is actually a detriment to the movement. And if you don't agree that Black Lives Matter, just go ahead and say that. This convoluted, very strange statement about Black supremacy, to me, was a cry for help. Well, and I think it's like you said, he's he's under the pressure of having to make a statement. And so he, he contrives this like really strangely worded, like, like you said, pandering is a perfect word. Like that entire tweet, I feel like was intended for everyone to read that and go, yes, absolutely. And everybody actually read that and went, what the fuck does that mean? Who asked him to make a statement? I don't think anybody asked him to. I'm saying I think he felt pressure as a celebrity to say something. Okay. And I think but that that is... The thing about Black Lives Matter is all of these Black people, I feel, are making these statements and they don't have to. Like, the literal name of the the cause is Black Lives Matter. We're asking everybody else to make a statement. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. Not you. <laughs> Well, it just goes to show people find themselves to be so important that, I mean, no one asked him to make a statement, but he's like, the Black Lives Matter movement couldn't possibly go on, go on without my black supremacy tweet. True. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm like, where's this coming from? Like, everyone's, and you know, black Twitter. Did this happen on Twitter, Amanda? Yes. Naturally. Okay. So, you know, black Twitter is swift with their justice. So they completely <laughs> dragged him. I'm very sure. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it because it just goes to show that no matter who you are, if you are not with us for change, then you are against us. Anything that you do for your own personal benefit will therefore be used against you in a court of Twitter law. And honestly, you really need to be careful Mm -hmm. with what you say and do out here because you have a huge following of people. So many people liked his tweet. Like, 
And I didn't go yeah. ahead and look, but I can only imagine what their race is. 148K people liked his tweet. That's dangerous. Yeah. You know what I like about Black Twitter? You, know, It's not a token. So it's not your token Black friend. What Black Twitter says is an amalgamation of a bunch of opinions. And if Black Twitter is against something, I'm probably inclined to be against it too. Literally, it's one of my moral compasses. <laughs> and I hate to be that rash, but it is true. Yeah. I mean, there are positives and negatives to that. I think groupthink can be um, kind of, it depends. So if the general opinion is positive, then groupthink is a good thing. But mm -hmm. if the general opinion is problematic and we're all joining that same opinion, that's where we have an issue. So yes, I agree. I try to, um, I definitely gauge what the public court of public opinion is kind of saying, but then I try my best to do the research and find the information and find my own opinion after that. Now I will say most of the time, my opinion aligns with black Twitter. Um, but there are some times that I'm like, um, I don't know about Fair. that. That's coded in a little bit of homophobia. So I'm going to have to <laughs> let you guys have that. Yes. Yes. That is, that is true. I will redact that part of my statement and say yes to what you and said. And y'all know I don't play with homophobia, period. No. Okay. Black trans I do lives not. matter. Black trans lives matter. And on that note, there is, there is one more person that we need to talk about today. And it's not related to the Black Lives Matter movement, but I don't want this to go under the radar without us talking about it. JK Rowling. No. Ugh. This is so disappointing. It's so, I don't know why we're here again. I don't understand why we're here again. And I especially don't understand why we're here with these tweets from her in the middle of a, not only a global pandemic, but like an international revolution about racial injustice. And we're sitting here and she's still tweeting her bullshit about trans people and about how trans people are not e equal to women. It's, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. It's disgusting. It's disappointing. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I really don't. Are, who's reading the tweets? I can read I'll them. Get it. I have them. Okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Amanda. Please. So for those of you who are unaware, JK Rowling, for whatever reason, tweeted this on the 6th, the first weekend of Pride Month. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate speech to speak the truth. Then she tweeted, The idea that women like me, who have been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as men, women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences, is a nonsense. JK, you are a nonsense. JK, because this is a fucking joke. <laughs> JK is just fucking kidding. Except we're not kidding. She actually said it. <laughs> but here's the thing. And then also there's another tweet though there too. I'm not, I'm going to end up bastardizing the word for word, but basically someone else like called her out and said, ma'am, do you have any LGBT friends? Like, do you please tell me? And she literally said, she goes, 
well, yeah, she goes, actually, one of my friends, a self-proclaimed quote unquote, butch lesbian called me and was yelling on the phone, but I couldn't exactly understand anything except for the words fucking yes. And I said, okay, what? exactly, Whoa. exactly. So she got the support of Whoa. like one lesbian friend of hers. And all of a sudden, like, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm allowed to say these things and have these opinions. Girl, no, you're not. Like, did you and, see the and, statement and, that um, Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. um, released as well? Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> Which I respect it. I respect it. I think too, a lot of people are jumping. This is still kind of following into the uh, like cancel culture conversation. A lot of people are starting to try to cancel Daniel Radcliffe for what he said. And my thing is like, here's an example of someone that I think should fall under the, the issue of cancel culture and J.K. Rowling and someone who doesn't. I think Daniel Radcliffe making his statement, like at the end of the day, let's not kid ourselves. Like business is a real thing. And the Harry Potter franchise is a billion dollar franchise and it is his, I mean, he's the face of it. And in my opinion, I think he did the right thing by coming out and saying his own opinions on trans rights um, without necessarily burning a bridge or ruining his connection and relationship with JK simply because like, I think that could cause a, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's, it's fair for us to cancel Daniel Radcliffe for speaking his own truth, even though he didn't necessarily condemn J.K. Rowling's opinions on it in the matter, which I think he could have done. But at the same time, I understand why he didn't. Um, what did you what do you guys think about that? I kind of agree with you. I think that by expecting him to condemn her, we're making this about her and it's not exactly. about her. She is a cisgendered white woman. I don't actually care. This is about trans people and how they have the right to be seen as real human beings and have their humanity recognized. So honestly, in my opinion, yeah, he could have talked about her, but why, why is this about her at all? This is, I think he, he did good. Well, because he, he barely even, I think he literally says like Joe once in there. Like, I don't think he really, he doesn't talk about her at all. I think he just says like, I felt the need to, to speak on this issue. And this is how I feel about it. He didn't even say like, Oh, because of JK Rowling's, you know, stuff and because of her comments and stuff like that like he didn't even give her the light of day which i think was the smart decision listen no one appreciates celebrities fighting about things in a public arena more Mm -hmm. than me but sometimes it detracts from the issues if it's petty shit like 50 cent and what's his name randall (laughs) Emmett, like okay that's hilarious i appreciate that Bobby, all of that was hilarious i was eating it up now this situation is about a larger kind of issue and that issue needs to be tackled we don't need to be giving jk rowling more of a platform than she already has like no next it's like jk rowling like you said to us that dumbledore was gay so i'm sure one of your other characters are going to turn out to be trans like what what is the problem jk what is the problem i think what is the most annoying thing about this to me and I'm going to say this, and a lot of people aren't going to like it, is it's the perfect example of white women inserting themselves into a problem that, quite frankly, does not exist for them. It's okay to not be a marginalized person sometimes. Like, Well, that's how she adopted the name, people calling her TERF. Like, that, do you guys know, know what that means? No. So... Everybody calls her a turf online. That's like I, the first time I ever heard that word was because of somebody 
a, one of her old tweets from like a couple several months ago. It was another trans rights tweet, and somebody just commented in all caps, TERF, and I had never heard of that word in my life. And what it means is trans exclusionary radical feminist. And <laughs> essentially falls under, yeah, essentially falls under, it's a, it's a category essentially of white feminism where they exclude um, trans people from feeling the same kinship and the same struggles as women do in the feminist movement. And that's how she's adopted the name TERF. So... Oh, my goodness. They do not want to align with any other women at all. I mean, Black women were on the front lines of women's suffrage. And there's a really great story about Ida B. Wells. Um, If you don't know her, she is a very famous Black journalist. She was actually awarded a a posthumously a Pulitzer Prize uh, for her work in journalism during the civil rights movement. But she very famously was on the front lines of women's suffrage and during a women's suffrage parade in Chicago, she was actually told that she wasn't to march with the white women in the front because Fuck that. because it wasn't about her at that moment. I have something to say on that. And before we get off of specifically about J.K. Rowling, she did also say another tweet that we didn't talk about recently, which I think is what sparked the, the tweet we're talking about, is she basically responded to a news article that used the words people who menstruate. And she goes, Hmm. People who menstruate, didn't there used to be a name for those people? Like, and then she made like misspellings of the word women and everybody went, bitch, come on now. We're not going to go through this again. And then she did. That's horrifying. It's awful. It's, I honestly think that tweet might be worse than her explanation just because (laughs) she just falls into like the, like it, that tweet about like, oh, wasn't there used to be a name for those kind of people? It just falls into complete ignorance. Like it, it's awful. And speaking of like, just as far as like, um, like you're talking about like the, like white feminism and excluding black people, we see that all the time within the gay community too. Just to speak to that for a second with it being pride month, I think this needs to be a very important year for pride. Um, because people love to conveniently forget that Stonewall that very first brick was thrown by a black trans woman. And people That's love right. to forget about that fact. They hey, love Marcia. to forget about Marsha. And and Sylvia. That, yep, Marsha, Sylvia, it infuriates me. It's disgusting because there is still so much intersectionality and issues within the LGBT community itself. I've always said this. I've always said the LGBT community is, for lack of a better word, it tends to be a bit of a joke. Like, because we have this you know, message and mission to be inclusive of everyone and to have, you know, equal rights. But yet, if you're part of the LGBT community, and you're black, or you're trans, or you're bisexual, then you're not really one of us, like you have your space over there. But the white gays, and the lesbians, we have our space over here. So you guys go over there, you have your party over there, you guys have your black pride, you guys have your black gay clubs, we'll have ours over here. And it's always been that way. And it's absolutely disgusting. And I think it's interesting that all of this um, in the world right now is all fall, falling in Pride Month as well, because the amount of people that I've seen posting like, you know, throw back to one year ago on Pride and blah, blah, blah. I miss Pride. I miss this. I miss that. Um, and then supporting L.A. Pride, which L.A. Pride announced it was going to be a they were shifting um, to become a more of like a racially like a, a racial injustice motivated um March this year. 
it wasn't going to be centered around super cool i do too but i thought it was really cool until i found out that they did not they did not reach out to or request the help or assistance or even the acknowledgement of black lives matter at all whenever they did it to me now there's a lot of issues behind it that Uh sound very performative yep um because I'm not even going to lie to you. Part of me was like, maybe I'll just, like, I, I have, like, flight credit from, like, some shit that's been canceled because of COVID. Like, maybe I'll go to L.A. for the Pride thing. Then I saw, oh, actually, they didn't seek out the acknowledgement or help of Black Lives Matter or even really remotely do anything with Black Lives Matter at all. So, to me, that just seems very performative to continue to have their parade this year. And I don't agree with that. Um, um I have to go ahead and say I appreciate you so much for offering this perspective as someone who's part of this community and one thing that infuriates me the most about black people and black culture is how exclusive we are about uh, how exclusive we are when it comes to queer people at mm-hmm. all and in general and mm-hmm. as a group of people who has been persecuted against for so long, we should be the first people welcoming marginalized people into our community with open arms. And you mentioning that brings up a huge, larger problem with black queer people is the fact that many of them don't have any space to go because they're not welcomed by the queer community that's predominantly white and the black community doesn't welcome them either. So they are kind of homeless in a way and it's appalling. It's upsetting. And I personally will never stand for it. I urge other black people to make sure you are having these difficult conversations with family members and friends because the homophobia in our community is running rampant and it needs to stop immediately. For you to talk about the, um, the homophobia like within just like the black community um there's been a lot of like disparity i guess about the like black panther party and specifically like their viewpoints and like their history because they are historically like pretty homophobic that's been like something that i've always struggled with because like i i even saw the other day like they were in atlanta the other day and mentally part of me was like this is <laughs> i'm so conflicted because like they do just the sheer aesthetic of the Black Panther Party is so loud and it's so powerful that for the movement that's going on right now in Atlanta and in the world, like they are so welcome in that. Like that is such a statement. They are so powerful, but they have such a history of homophobia. And I decided to like look into it a little bit more. And like, there's a lot that like goes back to like some initial conflict um, between Huey Newton, who's the founder and then James Baldwin about like gay people within the black community and how they're not really accepted. Um, but with Stonewall and specifically the diversity of the Stonewall movement, there actually was a pretty big shift within that party itself that there was a bit of more of an understanding that as a marginalized and oppressed group, there is a unity in that between the LGBT community and the black community. So I don't know. I only can hope that we continue to move that direction with this. And that's where I hope that this year for pride, I hope that people start to think a lot more about that and about our own racial inequality and our own, like just racism within the LGBT community. And hopefully we can start acknowledging that and hopefully we can start fixing that because the fact that people who are already marginalized 
just for the color of their skin, also feel marginalized within the group that ought to accept them for their sexuality. They still have to continue to like segregate into their own little group because they're outcast by everybody else is disgusting. I don't know. I hope we see a lot of changes this year, but I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not super enthused about it online with, uh, the amount of people that I've seen making it about them once again. And like, I, there's this one girl who I remember I saw her, she was talking about, um, when all the riots were happening, whenever they were really bad at the beginning. And there was a lot of like issues with like the police violence, which we're still seeing, but especially in the beginning. And she was just, she made this comment where she was like, you know, I really hope that, you know, come June 1st tomorrow that like, you know, people start talking about pride because, you know, that's important too. And I'm oppressed as like a lesbian woman. And I, I went the fuck off. I said, ma'am, at the end of the day, and this is something that I've thought a lot about too, and with just within the LGBT community is at the end of the day, like, even though there are certain types of oppression that I have felt and that I have been a part of, I've been very lucky in that, but, and I've been luckier than most. But there is still the element that if I really wanted to or needed to, I could, at the drop of a hat, climb to the very, very top rank of the, you know, social classes by being a white man. And that's something that I think people don't think about and they don't realize that they just love to focus on like, oh, I'm oppressed because I'm gay or I'm lesbian or I'm bi or I'm trans or, or whatever. And that only causes more separation. It only causes like it, it ought to unify people and it doesn't. It's disgusting. It's not the oppressed Olympics either. Like exactly. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Like you, you don't have to be more oppressed than me. I don't have to be more oppressed than you because we're all oppressed. It doesn't matter. Yes. (laughs) Right. It sucks for all of us. So why don't we just hold hands kumbaya and smash the patriarchy? What the fuck? Can smash that shit, please. Please. Okay. So um, I kind of wanted to end the episode on a lighter note and kind of use our platform to amplify Black voices. Like so many people are requesting that people everywhere do. Uh, I want to hear from you too. What is some Black media that you have consumed recently or artists or people that you know and love throughout the years, I think this is a great time for us to maybe give some suggestions for people who are maybe looking for ways that they can diversify their consumption. I want to start by saying, how about we don't watch the help as our main go-to for uh <laughs> the black lives matter movement. I've seen nothing like entertainment weekly posted a thing the day and they were like, people are flocking to rewatch the movie, the help. And I said, why the fuck are they watching the help? Like, are you kidding me? Like there's so, and I will say the help is one of those movies that like, I'm not gonna lie. Personally, I feel like it, it, it is kind of close. Like it's not yeah. the worst thing you could watch, but it still falls into white savior category. And also just the fact that like the book itself was like st- a white woman stole the story from like and the actual black black woman involved. And it's that that's sickening. Like, so there's uh Amazon prime. Actually, they have a whole like playlist that they've uploaded of nothing but black made black produced um, black stories on there. They have like a whole like channel on prime, a whole playlist you can go through that has a lot of good stuff in it. Um, and I've been trying to make it a, a goal of mine to watch at least one, um, one a night that uh 
is supported and like that is you know i i think it's important too that you know a lot of them are free but a lot of them are like two dollars to rent i think it's also worth looking at i would encourage people to just rent stuff if they can um just to help give some financial assistance to these these black artists but a couple that i would talk about um i finally watched it the first time last night uh i hadn't seen fruitvale station and i watched it last night um it's tough it's really tough and i uh it's yeah i it's not an easy watch at all but um it's important and i think it it has a lot a lot to say the way it's shot is beautiful the way the story is told is beautiful it's a really great concept um it could have easily just been a documentary and he chose to just focus on like the life of somebody within you know their last living day and it's very tough but it's very very well done and it's definitely hits where it's where it should and where it's supposed to i mean it, it it's infuriating another one too i guess on like a lighter note i also rewatched um another ryan coogler rewatched black panther recently i hadn't seen it since it was in theaters and like holy fucking shit like it stands up so well um and there's so much like it's by far like the deepest that marvel has ever gone into social issues and so much of that movie specifically killmonger and his motivations are so closely related to what's going on right now in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And there's specifically like, there is, I, I shared it on my Twitter. Cause I was just like, I remembered seeing it in theaters, but like seeing it again, like in this current context is whenever spoiler alert, everybody hasn't seen it, but whenever Killmonger like burns all like the sacred herbs and stuff. And it's just, it's a shot from behind him with everything burning. And then it's an immediate jump cut to like this, upside down shot of the of him walking to the throne as it's like twisting and it is the single-handedly like the most powerful moment of cinematography in the marvel cinematic universe by far um and it just at that scene in particular just resonated so much harder with me this time and i think that he is by far like the most fleshed out and most well-written villain i'm not even gonna call him a villain he's not a villain um, and that's what I think makes him so intriguing and such a great character in Black Panther. Um, but yeah, those are mine. One heavy one, one lighter hearted one that still packs some of a punch. What about you, Barry? Okay, so I have a few recommendations. Mine are going to be a little older in terms of vintage. So first thing that I would recommend people to watch are go back to John Singleton movies, go back to Spike mm-hmm. Lee movies. Um, definitely totally. watch Boys in the Hood. Um, mm-hmm. Boys, that was the first movie that, besides Marley and Me, that ever made me cry. Um, like, so and good. just watch it. Cuba Gooding Jr. before he became a problem. You got Angela Bassett. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Like, there, there's so many. Ah, just go watch that movie. Um, definitely watch Black Klansman. It's Spike Lee won an Oscar for a reason because it made me almost as uncomfortable as Get Out because I was laughing, I was crying, I was shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Spike Lee. And also follow Spike Lee on Instagram. He is so funny. That man is... is (laughs) Everything you see his movies (laughs) to be is how he is in real life. And I love it. (laughs) Just go see what I'm talking about. Um, And also, this is just a piece of history... Um, I want everybody to look up the 
the case of George Steiny Jr., who essentially the Green Mile. Um, mm. You remember that movie in 1999? I think it was uh, made into a story by Stephen King. But Stephen it's, King. Yeah. Uh, but George Steiny Jr., he, was, he is the youngest person to be executed in the United States. He was 14, and he mm. was executed by electric chair. Um, just go look up his case. He was actually recently exonerated, maybe like a year or two ago, 75 years after his execution. Um, and he basically, yeah, the green mile, the movie is based off of him, but the big black guy is supposed to be a 14 year old boy. Um, so go look that case up. Your recommendations are amazing. I haven't watched a John Singleton movie in a while, and I probably will go ahead and hop on that today. I love John Singleton. May he rest in peace. He was a visionary for Black film. Um, he was doing things that we had never seen come out of our community before, so much respect to him. So you guys know I'm addicted to podcasts, so my first two recommendations are going to be podcasts. Um I know I've talked to you two about this show before, but it's called Keep It. It was actually an inspiration for Stay La Tea. So Keep It is a pop culture news podcast similar to Stay La Tea, uh, but it's hosted by Ira Madison III. He's a black man who's a TV writer and hosts Keep It, of course. Um, he is a hilarious person, but deeper than that, he is so knowledgeable on... He has a wealth of knowledge on all things kind of TV film and Broadway. He went to NYU Tisch. So he has a um, theater background, which I always find to be interesting when listening to mainstream media. I feel like you don't hear a theater perspective a lot of the time. So definitely go ahead and check that out. Um, my second podcast recommendation is The Read. I don't know if either of you have ever listened to it. Um it's a fantastic show hosted by Kid Fury, who is actually from South Florida. So shout out to Sofla. Um, TV, I definitely want to amplify some of my Black queens. So if you haven't seen Insecure, it is a good show for everyone to watch because it is just a simple slice of life. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Issa Rae, she is um, kind of a fantastic success story. She started her career with a um, web series called Awkward Black Girl on YouTube and now writes and produces her own TV show on HBO. Like, even if She's you don't the like the show. She's the first black woman to do that. Exactly. We got to give her props for that. Yeah. And then um, another is The Shy or anything by Lena Waithe. I'm truly obsessed with her. One time I heard she was in Atlanta and I spent the afternoon stalking her social media, hoping that I would catch a glimpse of her. But um, Lena Waithe, uh, many of you may know her from the Netflix show Master of None. She became mm. the first Black woman to win an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series for an episode she wrote for Master of None. And definitely important to amplify her because not only is she a Black woman, but she's a queer Black woman. And she deserves our praise and respect because she is super talented. Um, one thing that's a major call out is her writing for Queen and Slim. If you haven't seen that movie, mm. definitely give it a watch. It is poignant, especially during um, this kind of political time. So give that a watch and watch all of her filmography. She's brilliant. 
And then the last thing I'm going to mention, Shane and Shane, you and I actually went to see this together. But if Beale Street could talk, Barry Jenkins. So good. Oh, Barry. I love that movie for so many reasons. Um, at first when I watched it, I thought it was a little too slow for my taste. It was kind of um, not super plot driven. But what I've come to respect about this movie is how well he was able to capture the humanity of the community. Yeah. And it was really just a glimpse into the daily lives of those on Beale Street. And it's beautifully shot, beautifully written. The acting is just breathtaking and heartbreaking at the same time. So definitely go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. I also, oh. real quick, I have one more that I just thought about. Um, it's not Black Made, but it's still something that I think is very relevant and very important for people to watch. Um, if you guys haven't watched Watchmen, the HBO series, oh um, my god, it's starting, to make a, it's starting to make a comeback right now because there is this article that was posted that I didn't even think about it until I read this article, but it's so true is that it essentially, if there was a show that predicted what life in America would be like in 2020, at, in June of 2020, it was Watchmen nine months ago. Um, right. It is literally at the center of it. It is this, I mean, and uh, it, it's just the story of basically like a police force that is infiltrated by white supremacists and why there is like racial injustice. Everybody's wearing masks. Um while it still has like the the sort of Watchmen, you know, supernatural feel of the comic book, the actual like social issues that are prevalent throughout the entire series are uncanny to what's going on right now. And it even opens with the the Tulsa massacre, which is absolutely sickening. And the way that it's shot, um, it's very, very powerful and it's very well done even though it's very hard to watch. Um, that's something that I, I know a lot of us were not taught in school. I was never taught about it. I don't know why I was never taught about it. Um, but that's an issue I for do. another time. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I know why. I know why. But okay. um, but yeah, check out Watchmen. Damn, Terry. <laughs> Sorry. Terry <laughs> said uh, I do. She said I know. Well, I think that this episode was necessary. And I thank you both for being just open and honest and willing to talk about these things. I'm hoping that we are kind of ushering in a new era of speaking about the things that are uncomfortable. I know for so long it was taboo to talk about things like politics and race, but I would venture to guess that's because people were not willing to shake up the system and change the things that should not be the way that they are. And it's through vocalization and talking to each other and amplifying black voices that we're really going to see some lasting change. I think before we end the episode, um, I wanted to give a huge shout out to Andy Keyless. He's actually a super fan of the show. So um, Andy, Ooh. if you're listening to this, it's a little surprise, but we appreciate your support and rallying behind us and waiting for season two as patiently as you did. So we celebrate you just like we celebrate season two. Hell yeah. Uh, hi, Andy. All right. <laughs> Party people. Yeah. We will talk to you next week. Uh, we will. Bye. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>